Before we get into today's episode, our annual NBA opening night doubleheader is Wednesday, October 20th. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and the Celtics are at Madison Square Garden to take on Julius Randle and former Celtic Kimball Walker and the New York Knicks at 7.30 Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Then it's our primetime West Coast game with reigning MVP Nikolai Jokic and the Nuggets in Phoenix squaring off against Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and the Suns, last season's Western Conference champions. Two great matchups to tip off the NBA season on ESPN and the ESPN app. One app, one tap. Also, Baldman on Campus is a new ESPN podcast hosted by Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. These ESPN basketball personalities give you an all-access pass inside the world of college basketball, talking to the biggest names in the sport. That's Baldman on Campus. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my boy, Ryan Clark. I have no idea where Ryan is right now, but I do know <laughs> you can find him all over the ESPN airways. RC, how you doing, my friend? What's up, my boy? How you doing? I'm good, man. Good. Listen, coming up later in the show, we're going to talk to Kobe Covington as he gets ready for his rematch against the champ, Kamaru Usman. You and I will draft the fighters that people love to hate and... We obviously gonna tap in. Are you gonna cheat though, DC? Tap out, DC. Are you hey, gonna cheat? We, hey, Ryan, Ryan, we gonna tap in. Or are we gonna tap? Well, are out? you gonna cheat but on the first, list? RC, I don't understand why you keep doing this to me and, and painting me in the light that is not flattering for my skin complexion. <laughs> Ryan Clark, though, <laughs> last weekend, Aspen Lad fought Norma Demont, mm-hmm. and it was an absolute uproar. In regards to the way her coach, Jim West, spoke to her. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read you some of these tweets. And it was astounding to think how people... This one here took the cake. Misha Tate goes, this is abuse. What a douche. That Abuse. Ryan, this one drove me a little bit nuts. Bilal Muhammad goes, I feel like this guy is coaching for the camera right now. And that's another point that I really take offense to because it seemed like the guy was doing his job. And then Lando Venata says, hey, corner man, motivate, don't scold, and criticize. But this is only the tip of the iceberg, Ryan. People were going crazy on this man on Saturday night in regards to the way that he was talking to his athlete to the point that he apologized. RC, when you were seeing all this, what did you think of the way he was approaching talking to Aspen Ladd? Well, I think the the one thing I have to preface my comments with is because I am friends with you now, because you are my co-host, we've actually shared different videos of coaching. And the most recent that you shared even before this fight was Jim West and Aspen Ladd. And we were kind of going back and forth because it's such a huge topic for us. We were going back and forth about what type of coaching do we like? And she comes out in the next round after being talked to like that, after being someone being honest with them, someone actually imploring her to do more with the same type of language that Jim used this time. And she comes out, throws the big left, ground and pound. She wins the fight. And so I was like, yeah, that's the type of coach I want. That's the type of dude I want in my corner. And so now we fast forward to this and we're kind of getting the same things. One, we're getting brutal honesty about where we are in the fight, where Aspen Ladd was in the fight. And also you have the way that he's speaking. Now, I played for a guy named Greg Williams. Greg Williams would dog cuss you, call you every name (laughs) but a man of God, right? 
when he was trying to coach you. But then when you'd go into his office, he'd cross his legs like a scholar and speak to you very calmly, very respectfully. But that was yeah. the way he coached. Coach LeBeau, who's a Hall of Famer, Dick LeBeau, coordinator in Pittsburgh, never cursed, never raised his voice. Mm. But that was his way. And we also responded to him in kind. And so I think for an athlete, if you understand this is the way your trainer or your coach approaches their job, I believe that you can handle it. Now, Here's where the issues come in, or here's where I believe we start to question whether or not this is the way to coach your athlete. One, it's a man and it's a woman. Yep. We yep. are now in a time where we yep. understand, you know, you look at Misha Tate saying this is abuse. We understand what That's mental crazy. abuse is. We and, understand what And emotional... you know what else, though, Ryan? One, one quick part about no, that. Ahead, ahead, I don't yeah. mean to cut you off. No, bro. go ahead. But Misha Tate saying this is abuse also is alluding to their relationship outside of fighter coach. Mm-hmm. Right, because that's Aspen Lad's boyfriend too. Mm-hmm. So she's almost painting an unfair picture of Jim West in their relationship, RC. And I just think that for us to ignore that as you continue to finish your point yep. is not fair because I think that's where she's judging him opposed to just fighter athlete when in that situation it is fighter athlete no but you're absolutely right no no no, that was the point i was about to get to though dc okay sorry for for, no for people no you're right for people in the ufc world or the mma world they view it through that prism right because me watching on the outside if i don't hear commentators say it or analysts say it i don't know their relationship i'm just looking at it as coach athlete right the same thing with lauren murphy when she's fighting against shevchenko i'm looking at it as coach athlete and now you get the side or you get to realize that there's a there there's more depth and more layers to that relationship so even for you dc should he coach differently because of their relationship or should he be perceived differently because of their relationship oh my god ryan this this is one of the topics that i want to touch on so badly because the reality is this in that moment the, the, the outside relationship is out the window. And there was another point was made earlier uh, over the weekend that pointed to the fact that people are in these relationships in work and fighting. Right. So Aspen Ladd and Jim West are dating. We saw Lauren Murphy a few weeks ago with her husband cornering her. Yes. Doing the absolute wrong thing, Ryan. Mm-hmm. But you know what Lauren Murphy's uh, thought was on the way Aspen Ladd was getting coached? Oh, no, he should have did better. He should have been more thoughtful. He should. So that tells me Lauren Murphy's husband essentially had no choice but to almost reassure her when things are going absolutely wrong mm-hmm. because then that may go back to the house with them. Right. That's unfair. If you put these people, if your girlfriend or your coach or your boyfriend or your husband is in that position to coach you, he has to coach you like he is going to coach every other athlete that he has inside the And I feel like Jim octagon. West does that. Jim West exactly. does that, though. So it was him. That was him. That was his, his coaching style. Yes. But it's almost like we're expecting him to coach differently because it's a girl. I think the optics of it, though, Ryan, was what made people go crazy because it seemed like Aspen was almost like shrinking within herself when he was going at her. And that's why people also were too. up in arms. And you know, you know what the difference is, though, DC? And we talked about him imploring Aspen Ladd in a previous fight and her coming out and winning. We don't like to see people, quote unquote, what we call now bullied. 
right? And because, yeah. and because, and, and so we're looking at, we're looking more at the outcome, right? We're looking at the fact that she wasn't having success and that what he did in the corner did also didn't produce success. So it almost seems like she's being beat up in the octagon mm -hmm. and she's also being beat up in yeah, the corner through words. But that's, that's not what it is. What it is, is this is his coaching style. This is his athlete. He's put in as much time as she had, as she has to win this fight. And on the other side of it, I would have to believe that having that relationship, that personal relationship, like I know how I feel when it's my wife or my kids or mm -hmm. a loved one. I want them to win more than I want to win. Right? Yes. The, the, the emotion yes. that is involved in that. Like I've been, my son played football, plays football. I've been driving home with Jordan from high school and almost wanted to jump in the back seat to have these conversations. And so I could only mm -hmm. imagine the emotion from Jim West as well. And I think the way that it's shown on TV and the way that people perceive it, they perceive it in a way that he doesn't intend. You know, and honestly, it's a fight. We're not, we're not playing croquet or anything. Mm -hmm. They're fighting. So, but, but when we talk about coaching, you know, there are very few minds that are better than Dean Thomas. And yesterday I had an opportunity to sit down with Dean and talk about Jim West and the situation, and this is what he had to say. As Norma Dumont in Aspen Ladder fighting on Saturday, her coach and boyfriend is kind of laying into her. What did you make of his approach to trying to get his fighter to respond? Well, see, I mean, it's such a tough situation because of that like because of the relationship of mm -hmm. being a boyfriend and so on and so forth i mean and really that's kind of none of our business no but the fact that the fact that he used the language and the tone that he used didn't really bother me as much as it did other people because that yep. might be his coaching style and that might be her way of responding as we saw in her fight against yana kuniskaya when he came at her he yelled at her the same way. Like he attacked her the same way and she came out on fire. And I mean, yep. she did damage and she won the fight because of that. So on one hand, we can't, we can't look at that performance and go, yeah, you know, he, he was the man. He's the one who, who called, who was accountable for that. And then when he does it again and it doesn't work, we can't now look at him and go, oh, he's a mm -hmm. bad guy. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah. Dean, can you recall a situation in which you had a fighter that wasn't responding and you had to get Adam in that way? Because we've seen you in fights where T Wood is in very close fights with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. But you yeah, never I mean, and that wasn't even the worst of it. The worst was, I would have to say, his fight against Kamar Usman. Yeah, exactly. And, like when yeah. he was with Usman. Yeah, and going getting... into that fourth and fifth round, I mean, I really had to lay into him. And and when I laid into him, a lot of people 
actually praised me for being honest and telling him the way it was. As a coach, Dean, and as a guy that now sits at the desk and breaks down the techniques going on in the fights, when you see him go to her and it's done, what does that conversation look like when they get back to the locker room? Is the coach the one feeling like he let the athlete down? Or is it now Aspen Ladd or Tyron Woodley, in your case, feeling a little bit let down, like, wow, I didn't get out of, I didn't do what I did for three months leading into this thing. I actually think it's the athlete that feels bad. I really do. Now, and this is where it gets tricky because this is where coaches have to be careful. Obviously, coaches are frustrated, but they have to remember it's not about them and their frustrations. Mm -hmm. And that's why it can get tricky, because as the coach, you can never allow your frustration to go on to the athlete. He was allowing his frustrations to get to her instead of going, OK, this approach isn't working right now. Let me try a different approach and being a little. And that's where it gets tricky. So I'm not totally like I'm not against what he did. But I am saying, thinking that maybe he could have used a different approach. But one thing that people don't understand is you get 60 seconds to make that decision of what you want to do. And it goes by so fast. And then when it's over, you're like, uh-oh, I hope I did the right thing. Mm. So I'm not, I can't really get on him too bad for that. You see, that's, Dean made a point there, Ryan, that I hadn't thought about. Is allowing your frustrations, because you could see Jim West get frustrated. And that was one of the situations where, I was so in his corner. Like, I was completely with him talking in the way he did, reacting the way that he did until Dean Thomas said that. And when Dean Thomas said, as a coach, you being frustrated cannot be put onto your athlete because they're already in there in the fight. I didn't think about that, RC. As I coach kids, when they're frustrated on the wrestling mat, when I'm frustrated on the side, when I get their ear for a second, if I'm not clear and concise, if I'm just frustrated and I'm flattered, that's obviously what they're going to take right. and carry into the fight. And so Dean saying that Jim was frustrated, I kind of get it now because I saw round one, mm -hmm. I saw round two, round three, and by the third round, he was just frustrated with Aspen Ladd, the fighter, right. not the girlfriend, and he allowed for that to kind of dictate how he cornered her going forward. So uh, big on Dean. But, but honestly, Ryan... She won the fourth round, I think, on somebody's court. The last two rounds. Yeah, she won on the somebody's fourth, fourth card. So yeah. it worked. So it worked. Yeah, I think. What did you think of what Dean had to say? No, I, I think Dean makes excellent points about the finer perspective of coaching, right? Yeah. But we we aren't talking about whether or not Jim West did a good job as a coach. We're talking mm -hmm. about whether or not Jim West approach it, was his approach wrong. Was his approach abusive? Right. What was his was his approach not conducive or was his approach not respectful in the sense of a way athlete and fight uh, athlete and coach should interact? No, you know, what's crazy, Ryan, is you know, what's crazy, RC. And I got to say it, bro. Go ahead. Like, I know it, it feels like if it's you and Jim West yells at you like that, nobody has an issue. You know that, though, it, it, we're all but we're all equal today. Right. So why is it such a big deal? Because it's a woman. Everybody wants to be, we all want to be treated fairly, Ryan. We all want to be treated equally. Why is this so much of a bigger deal? Because it's a girl in Aspen Ladder Poles to being a guy. We have heard Safe Saud. We have heard I, Bob Cook. Is, people talk about me crying after John Jones beat me. You know what? I lost. But you know what made me cry after the first fight? Was Bob Cook walked up to me and goes, that wasn't the guy that I got in training for three months. Yes, absolutely. Very disappointing. Yes. So I was disappointed, so I started to cry. But nobody cares that Bob ripped into me before those rounds or that 
save Saul does it every time or Dean Thomas or anybody else when they, they're doing Tyron Woodley. Right. It should not be that big of a deal because it's a woman. Well, it I shouldn't. Think, well, DC, you, I, I believe we have to understand that this is still new, right? Like, like, like we were used mm. to seeing, we're used to seeing men fight. We're used to seeing men, men being talked to a certain way. You know, I was a huge Floyd Mayweather fan and I would always laugh and at his father in the corner, at his uncle Roger in the corner because they never really gave much insight mm -hmm. into what should happen in the next round. They basically just cussed the entire 60 seconds. Like, I was used <laughs> to seeing that, you know, but, but we didn't look at it that way because they were related and because it was a man. Mm -hmm. But also, in, we have now enter the realm where we are no longer critiquing Jim West as a coach. We're not critiquing yes. Jim West. We're critiquing two humans and their interaction outside of what should be the coach athlete interaction. And I think that's the difficult part, especially knowing the nature of their relationship. Absolutely. And for the record, the things Tyson Fury's coach told them right before he went out and knocked Deontay Wilder were much worse than yes. what Aspen heard on Saturday. Now, Ryan, I, I have been very clear that I am a guy that loves that. I said, hey, I would want Aspen Ladd's coach in my corner. I would want Jim West. Laura Sanko goes, I agree. I saw nothing wrong with it. Why don't people have this reaction when coaches get after male athletes? Or maybe it's just because I'm used to James Cross corner and y'all might be too soft. Yeah. Now, now, Laura Sanko is a person that's fought. She's calling fights down the Contender Series. And now Laura joins us on the conversation uh, to kind of give her perspective in terms of how things were viewed and how people responded. And Laura, thank you for joining us first and foremost. But this is a little bit much, right? I mean, you can agree that this is crazy. Hit the nail on the head. You said it, DC. You said it earlier, Ryan. I, in particular, would not be here right now, and we would not be having this conversation right now if Aspen Ladd was a guy. Right. I can point to a hundred different examples you said safe Saud. I've tweeted James Cross. Those guys lay in hard to their athletes in between rounds. Teddy Atlas, one of the yeah. best cornermen in boxing, actually sat down on his fighter's stool and said, you want to trade places with me? You want me to go out there and fight your fight? I mean, we've seen way worse. And people praise mm -hmm. it because it's a guy. And here's the thing. It's the reason people see that is, like you said earlier, it's the optics. We all mm -hmm. have this sort of like, I would call it misplaced in this particular context, misplaced chivalry. If we're all right. out on the night, we're at a bar and a guy's yelling at a girl and she's standing there and she's not saying anything and she's looking a little doe-eyed, right? Mm. We all mm -hmm. have a visceral reaction mm -hmm. to that. Me too. Yes, we should. I don't want yes. to see yes. it. And we should, exactly, yep. right? We should. But we're not out at a bar. Right. We're in the octagon and she's uh. an athlete and he's the coach. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what equipment she's working with out there she needs to be spurred to victory in whatever manner he sees fit and he has been with her since the beginning i've been watching espen lad since her first professional fight in invicta and he's been coaching her the same way the whole time so i see absolutely mm. no issue with it and situations like this I'm like, you could probably tell i'm a little frustrated the the pearl clutching when it comes to women's mma sometimes just drives me crazy it just drives me crazy yeah so so laura do you think after the way you view the situation but also the way it was viewed by so many in the mma mma world that he should have apologized for the way that That's he treated her problem. in his corner no no <laughs> i absolutely do not that is the problem right there and i'm not gonna lie i think part of the reason i'm here talking about this issue is because i'm a woman and Sometimes this needs to be said by 
another woman, right? Absolutely. He should not have to apologize for that behavior. He did absolutely nothing wrong. And when some people read that tweet, they're like, oh, Laura thinks Misha Tate is soft. I do not think Misha Tate is soft. This is not about Misha whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Misha Mm -hmm. Tate is as hard as they come. I happen to disagree with her on this. And I think that her comments are always going to be colored by the fact that she's talking about a future opponent. Of course, she's going to have things to say about yeah. Aspen. She's and got, and honestly, Laura, she's got this thing with Aspen since a couple weeks ago yes. with the, the yeah. weight miss. Yeah, right. So it's like it seems as though this one wasn't the, the Misha Tate reaction didn't feel uh, uh, like like it didn't feel it as like authentic. real. It, yeah, it wasn't authentic. It was yes, Brian, that's the word I'm looking at. It was a little extra. It did, yeah. yes, because it felt extra. They're going to fight. Mm-hmm. At some point, they're likely going to fight, and you know you have you have feelings about your opponents and about their coaches, and she's going to put that out there. And more power to her. Misha has the the right to have whatever opinion yeah. she wants to have. I just disagree with her on this point, and on this it, one, it speaks it speaks to a larger issue, right? Like MMA, the UFC in particular has done such a phenomenal job of creating equality in this sport. Men and women are on the exact same platform. They are fighting alongside each other. It's the only sport where they train together Mm -hmm. day in, day out. It's the closest thing that you're going to get to true equality. So we can't have these moments where we're like, oh, Mm -hmm. a girl got her feelings hurt, or oh, a girl was yelled at. No, that's BS. Well, Laura, you you know... Oh, go ahead, DC. uh, I'm sorry, Ryan. You know, Laura, lately we have seen some... And this has been a reoccurring theme on our show, is... It started with Lauren Murphy's husband coaching her. Then it went to uh, John Cavanaugh coaching uh, uh, J- Johnny Walker. Johnny and Walker. then we see yeah. this. So it's like, it's a matter of what do we prefer? And for me, I prefer someone telling me the absolute truth. But then in Lauren's statement, she was opposed to the way Jim West approached it. But on the other hand, her husband was giving her it was almost like he was comforting her in a situation mm-hmm. where she needed to be spurred on. What yeah. is your, like, what what, what, do you, what would you prefer to hear when you're in the corner in terms of sitting there? If you're sitting there fighting, or, Laura, let's, let's, let's take it up a level. What if your husband was your corner man? Right. How would you oh, want God. him to approach you in between now? <laughs> no, that would never ever happen for so many reasons. We don't have time on the show, but, you know, I... I, I I want the truth. I want to know. I want to know what's happening. I want to know why it's happening, and I want to hear instructions on what I can do to make it better. And all the stuff about Jim West not giving her technique—that's not true. He was—he did. He yeah, he it did. It became less technical, but he's telling her to lead from the rear side, yes, find your alley, which is her lead hook, sit down on your punches. He's giving her very technical advice. She wasn't able to execute on any of it. So as the rounds went on, he got less and less technical because. She wasn't, you know, you can't talk about step three when she's not able to execute step one. So I, while I agree with you with the frustration key, you know, it's, but, but Ryan, you're right. That's a finer point of, of cornering and you're never going to have a perfect conversation in those 60 seconds. You just, you just not, it's going to be messy sometimes, but I want to hear the truth. And I mean, you, you know who my coach was DC. You've seen yeah. James Krause corner. He does not mince words yeah, right. whatsoever. No. And that's how he corners everybody. Right. Laura, I have, sorry, this, this last question is kind of twofold for me. Uh, I think the, the first thing is, how does the UFC, how does MMA move forward in kind of changing people's view or perspective of, of how women 
should be coached, how women should be cornered. And the second piece of that should be, when are we going to start listening to the actual fighter? Listening to the actual fighter in this situation where instead of hearing Misha Tate say what's going on in her corner is abusive, why can't we ask Aspen Ladd? Why can't we ask mm. even a Lauren Murphy and get their perspective yeah. on, no, I like being coached like this. Yeah. I like the fact that he's hard on me and that makes me fight better, which we've seen now two times. She gets a knockout the first time we really first notice it. And this time she wins the last two rounds on one card and the last round on another. Ryan, I think you are speaking to a much broader and very interesting and important issue. And that is, I mean, not just in MMA society, I will say, we, we have created this culture where we find it very easy to be offended on other people's behalf mm -hmm. and then go to war for what we think should have happened in that situation or how we would have felt when it happened. This is a very random mm -hmm. example, but years back, Tanya Evinger kissed me on national television and people yeah. came at her with pitchforks and torches, sexual assault, all this stuff. And I was appalled. I'm like, this happened to me. I found it funny. Right. I was not offended by it. It happened to me. Right. So I went to bat for her like, no, you're not allowed to have that reaction. It happened to me. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that that applies here. This It's all about the athlete and what the athlete needs in that moment. And no one knows better than the coach who has spent years and years, yes. blood, sweat, tears, all of the preparation. I think we need to have a little bit more faith in the idea that the people that the fighter is choosing to go to war with know what they're doing out there. So I think absolutely, we, we, we should be talking about, you know, what did Aspen think about this? And yes. based yes. on her comments, and her demeanor, I, I, I would I would find it hard to believe that she had an issue with it. And if she did, they probably would settle it in private and we wouldn't need to be having all this tweet storm about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but everybody wants to get upset. They always do, Laura. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, but before before I go, I just I got to say one thing. Ryan Clark, <laughs> you are doing a tremendous job. Thank you. Show, That's my, my boy right there. Thank That's you so much. Right there. That means a lot. You are doing the Lord's work <laughs> keeping this man. I'm pointing the wrong way because it's opposite. Keeping this man in line. Because I know better than anybody how hard that hey, is to do. He cheats. Thank you. Very difficult. Wait, you, did you say I cheat? Did you say I cheat? You do cheat. Ryan knows what's up. You do. Wow, that's you two. Two to one, DC. Hey, hey, two hey, to hey, one. Hey, Laura, Laura, Laura. Love having you. But the time has ended. <laughs> now. When, you, when you start to when you start to side with Ryan Clark, the time has ended on your show. Laura, thank you so thank much you for so joining much. us. Your perspective is top notch. We appreciate you thank coming you. on and, and, and letting us uh, get that side of the equation. Uh, guys, make sure you catch Laura tonight on Dana White's Tuesday Contender Series. Contracts are getting given out tonight. But listen, when you think of the best of the best in sports journalism, who do you think of? I think of Tim Bontemps and Raina Banks at ESPN, Michael Vaccaro at the New York Post, Rachel Axon from USA Today, and of course, our own Adrian Wojnarowski of the Wolves Podcast. St. Bonaventure University leveraged the insights from the successful alumni group to develop their online Master of Arts in Sports Journalism program. These days, it is not enough to be just skilled in traditional news reporting. Journalists need a variety of digital competencies like social media storytelling, podcast mobile experiences, and more. 
St. Bonaventure understands what it takes to be this modern day journalist and how to tell compelling stories. The St. Bonaventure Sports Journalism Master's Program is 100% online. It has several start dates throughout the year and it can be completed in as few as 18 months. So visit sbujournalism.com to follow your passion for athletics and storytelling today. That's sbujournalism.com. Now, Ryan, yesterday, <laughs> Colby Covington is finally speaking. And yesterday he sat down with Brett Okamoto and he had some very interesting things to say. This was one of them. So what's it been like for you to try to get this rematch booked? What's it been like? Man, it's it's been such a journey and just, it's been tough, bro. Like, it wasn't supposed to happen. They did not want it to happen. You know, his manager, you know, they were refused and they were trying to find every way in the book out of fighting this rematch. They didn't want this fight, man. And the only reason they have to take is the UFC gave them no choice. They said, hey, you fight this fight or we just strip you. It's been tough. I had to go out, you know, and finish a former world champion in Woodley. You know, he got two easy paychecks against lightweights that should have never been there. You know, he, his last fight, he's beating a guy in street, Judas Mosfidal. You're proud for beating that guy? That guy's a lightweight. He shouldn't even be up here in the top of the mountain. What was going on behind the scenes in terms of, like, why weren't you more active, I suppose? Yeah, the facts is no one wanted to fight me. I mean, go to Hunter Campbell, go to Dana White, ask them the truth. You know, no one would fight me. I was trying to put on the big and best fights for the UFC. No one wanted to take the bait, so... Now we are here and we get the best fight in the welterweight division. And, and you know, it's going to be a real treat for the fans. Man, let me tell you something. In that first fight, it was crazy. Usman and Covington were very active. Usman was super accurate. And in the later rounds, in a, in a fight, Ryan, where it was two to two going into round five, yeah. Usman gets the finish when he breaks Colby Covington's jaw. Now, the one thing that really stands out here with the 395 strikes that Covington threw. Usman throwing 360 and landing 175, Kobe 143. Ryan Clark, nobody can keep up with the pace of Kobe Covington. We have seen him melt so many individuals inside the octagon with his pace and his pressure. Usman was able to withstand that yeah. and not only withstand that, but take it to the next level. But when Covington says it's been difficult to get this rematch, we thought we would have seen these two fight again a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So, I wonder what it took for Kobe to find himself locked in the octagon with Usman again in New York City. And you can see the relief that he feels knowing that he has to fight again. Yeah, I mean, you see relief, but it's also Kobe Covington, right? It's Kobe Covington who <laughs> understands how to build a fight. It's Kobe yeah. Covington who understands how to make sure the spotlight is some way on him. And it's also very much like Kobe Covington to feel like he's been done wrong in this process. But that's the great thing about the UFC. That's a great thing about prize fighting. Guess what? Every now and then, eventually you get your shot. And now he has his shot. And when you think about Kamaru Usman and the people that he's knocked out since, since Kobe Covington, Kobe Covington, and also how much better we've seen Kamaru Usman look since that fight, I think Kobe Covington was the day he leveled up, honestly. To me, mm -hmm. that going through that war, being under that type of intense pressure and showing the world that you could stand up to that pressure. I remember 
when they finally booked the fight, I went back to watch the first fight because I wanted to see it. And going into the fifth round, a guy I really respect, and I've said this before, named Daniel Cormier says, these are the best 170 pounders in the world. And I was in 100 complete agreement. I didn't see that night any other fighter that could beat Kamaru Usman. I didn't see that night any other fighter that could beat Kobe Covington. And so now we finally get it again. This was the day though, I started to respect Kamaru Usman in a different way. Man, I saw mm -hmm. the pressure Kobe Covington put on, right? I, I saw the clean shots that Kamaru Usman had to take. I also saw this dude walk through them. I also saw mm -hmm. this dude, two of the greatest or two of the best grapplers or wrestlers at their size, say, you know what? I'm not really tripping on takedowns, right? I'm not really tripping on taking this fight to the mat because I know that we both can equalize each other there or we both can minimize what we can do there. So we're going to throw hands. And that was the night we started to realize that this straight right that Kamaru Usman throws is different, bro. And we've seen it take out now Gilbert Burns. We've seen it take out now Jorge Masvidal. So it's going to be interesting strategically what these two dudes do because you got to feel if you're both of them that you were fighting a winning fight. You know, you know the thing that 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 this fight presents for me is that you got the two best welterweights in the world. I don't think for a second that anyone can beat these two as you said. That night we learned how tough Kamara Usman was mm -hmm. and is today because he had to really go through the fire. Now the one thing about Kobe Covington that really stands out. He's, he's a guy that people love to hate, and we're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. But he says enough truths to where you have to take him serious. Because when he says it was hard to get this fight again, it absolutely was. When he says that we're the two best in the world, absolutely was. When he says that Kamaru Usman beat two lightweights, there's enough truth in that to where people can kind of go, well... Gilbert Burns did spend a really long portion of his career at 155. Masvidal, for a long time, fought 55. But these guys are not lightweights anymore. These are full-on welterweights that Kamaru Usman beat in impressive fashion, even though before they fought at lightweight. But Kobe does a good job of telling you just enough truth. But if he's going to get the belt off of this dude right here, he's got to be willing to go and dig even deeper than he's ever dug before in his entire life. Because Kamaru Usman is an absolute savage. And speaking to Usman, as I do personally, I know that Usman loves being a champion. I saw him on Steve Harvey the other day, buying his mama house. Dude not only loves the fight, RC, he absolutely loves the life of a champion. And he is not going to let that go easily. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's he's a dude that, that shows it, right? He tell you, I'm pound for pound. Like, I, I'm the guy yeah. right now. Well, he's the number one guy now. Right. He's, he's number I'm, one, one guy Exactly. And I think the, the other piece of it for me is when I look back on the second Jorge Masvidal fight, where Jorge Masvidal kind of talked about taking the fight on short notice and lasting five rounds with the champ. All the champ did the entire fight was stump on my feet. Woo, woo, woo. Like, all of these things that made it even more personal for Kamaru Uzman. Now, if we go back to some of the pre-fight lead-up, the last time these two, two dudes fought, it was flat-out disrespectful. Straight yeah, up. It bad. was flat-out disrespectful. Like, the fact that they even had the ability to contain what they felt emotionally was crazy to me. Yeah, and so I think that this fight, you even get more of that. Because now you're adding to that. Kobe Covington is basically saying, DC, that Kamaru Usman was scared. Ran away from, yep, he's saying he was scared. He's, Kobe Covington is trying to say he's scared. But Ryan... Hey, dude, we were in Brooklyn for a press conference before Steve and I fought the second time. 
they had to keep them cats away from each right. other the whole time because. But then Kobe kept walking up to Usman, trying to initiate some sort of altercation, dude. For as as, as annoying as people see Kobe Covington, he can be a, a master a master of building interest in a fight. Yeah, and the dude can absolutely fight. And I'm telling you one thing that speaks volumes to who you are as an athlete is when your enemies start to respect you. Mm. And one of Kamaru Usman's best training partners and friends, Justin Gaethje, also sat down with ESPN. And this is what he had to say about Kobe Covington as they both fight in New York City in November. Man, it's hard to be not be biased. I, I dislike Kobe like so much. So I, I want to see him really just put it on him. But he's a, he's a, he's a damn good fighter, that little um, you know, piece of person, but uh, he's a good fighter, you know, good wrestler, hungry, you know, stupid, stupid and crazy like we all are. <laughs> hey, that speaks volumes, though, Ryan. That speaks volumes when your enemies or your enemies' friends are respecting you in that way. Well, yeah, I mean, but the, the tape is the tape. And, I, and I've always said that, you know, uh, Antonio Brown is a guy who I've obviously had my own run-ins personally with right and we have certain feelings I mean me and this dude had to be separated at practice more than one time but I can sit and watch film and I can sit and watch him play even now in Tampa Bay and say you know what this dude's one of the best to ever do it and I think that's something that we as athletes can do and it's part of respect it's part of it's part of understanding how hard it is to do what we do for a living, to to be a, a two division champ like you were, mm -hmm. to be an undrafted free agent that played 13 years in the league and win a Super Bowl. Yep. You get what it is to try or to work to excel at what you do, and that's all Justin Gaethje is talking about. When you watch Kobe Covington fight, the dude doesn't have weaknesses. He could take you to the ground and win there. Obviously, in the stand-up, it's relentless Tough. and continual pressure. And if you're Justin Gaethje, a man who fights in the same way, I think the greatest compliment you can give a UFC fighter is he's stupidly crazy like the rest of us. Because when I watch y'all yeah, dudes fight, I go, yeah, man, like, that's stupid. Like, that is stupid and that's crazy. <laughs> the more I'm around you and the nicer I realize that you are, right? And I realize, you know what? Like, DC is like a normal human. Like, he loves his kids and his family. And he goes to watch, you know, middle school football games. And he's a coach. I did yeah, think yeah. to myself, there's probably somebody that walks by you in the airport and thinks that they could take you. And we don't realize yeah, yeah, that do. to do what you did no. for a living, something ain't right. RC, I'm smashing fools, especially <laughs> just somebody's daddy that tries to whip me in the airport. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's daddy trying to beat me in the airport. They're going to get it real bad. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us on DC and RC. We'll be back tomorrow as Ryan and I will take part in another contentious draft that may or may not involve one Colby Covington.